deeper down the rabbit hole. Saturday, 6 p.m., live in Toronto, Ontario, at the Queen City Curio Occult and Spiritual Store. This is deeper down the rabbit hole, a little bit late. I want to apologize to everyone. We had a technical rough, glitch. Technical glitch. And again, I'm in the closet. So the beautiful herbs are not behind me. I, I want it. I'm in the closet. It's a different. You do got herbs behind you, though. They just can't see it. Well, yeah, they're in boxes. They're not beautifully displayed herbs behind us at the Queen City Curio. Instead, we're at the Queen City Curio back office. Uh, you know, make it sound like it's the back of the theater because all sales is theater in a way, right? Right, Zach? Absolutely. And you got a sign there too with it because we just put that up. Yep, yep, yep. So, so, so we're making fun of the back office a little bit, you know, that I'm in the back office, but really it's, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, we just had some technical difficulties, so we apologize for that. So today we're going to continue our dark path of darkness or something, as we'll discover. If you were here last week on the Aquatic Show, we were all laughing about the fact that uh, what exactly was black magic again? Um, uh, I think Taking self responsibility? What? But <laughs> and today we're here with Martin McGregor, who's somebody I met down at the left hand path. Uh, comforts way too many years ago. I mean, sometime I, sometime I probably should go back to a left-hand path uh, convention, but I think probably uh, I'm going to continue to be writing more and more articles for uh, for be, become a living god. So haters can hate me, you know. I got the Llewellyn hate, and I got now I'll get to become a living god hate. Here I am, right? Well, honestly speaking, the beautiful thing about this is we actually got hate mail again today. That's the way it rolls. That's the way it is. It's like somebody posted a long bunch of psalms and how the devils will overthrow us and the demons shall uh, corrupt our souls and turn our wine into vinegar. And it was literally a beautifully written curse. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks for the Facebook. Yeah, the Facebook curse on turning all the things that we touch into rotten corpses and and although it was poetic, it was it was poetic. It was poetic. You know? I was like, oh. He is the necrobat. I mean, it's only fitting. It is. It is. It was just like okay, you know, you know. The fact is, is that like I think as a chaos magician, I could summon Jesus and make those people shit their pants. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you did do. We had that one deck that you're pulling cards for, dude. Oh, awesome. yeah. Yeah. I was just playing on. Yeah. We, we, we got a tarot deck. And the, the, I mean, we're going to talk about Satanism today. So this is kind of irony for people listening, right? Uh, uh, but yes, there was a Jesus deck. And I, I asked Jesus to give me a message. And it was pretty good. And he told me to, like, just pound through the door, basically, of whatever obstacle. And, and I was like, yeah, I okay. think it was a little it was more elegant than that. I was like, knock on the door and you'll get what you want. And we're like, yeah. That's actually a great message to receive though, because it does highlight like how whenever you start practicing seriously, you have to kind of divorce yourself from this notion of one side being entirely light and one side being entirely dark. And that's where the dichotomy lies 
And because I think anybody who's worked seriously with any of these spirits realizes that you're, you can catch a lot of both from either of either side of that coin. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think one of the things that is the biggest misnomer we're, we're talking about theistic Satanism and we're going to have to talk a little bit about why that's mm -hmm. different and the hate you get from that. Um, but you're also well associated with the demolishers and, uh, org, and one of the things you realize with the working with demons is that it's a political decision like it, it, it isn't necessarily their vibe isn't necessarily dark half of these things will respond to you as if they were some land spirit 2000 years ago that just somebody decided to to say you're you're now our bitch and you can do what we want but when you actually call them and talk to them they act like land spirits or yeah. or city spirits like greek city spirits or something like that just they lost like they they lost to us a, a certain religion in that area but they definitely i'm under the definite school that these are probably the original jinn in some cases mm -hmm. maybe not you know we can argue about that but they definitely seem to affiliate in a way that when you treat them like they were more like land spirits or city egregores or, or city state gods they tend to respond in a positive way like in it kind of blows it blows the notion of what is a demon out the water right right off the bat yeah i would i would completely agree with that um, and I think it goes back to a lot of the ways that, that these spirits have been interpreted in the past uh, and that process of, like you said, them losing um, and how that affected the way that we see them, how we interact with them and how the magical traditions that were written that, that everything that we kind of pull from view those spirits. And um, one thing that, that I wrote about in the article that I'm also writing for Blow, Become a Living God, we should probably let that be out too. I'm looking forward to that fucking hate mail too. I, yeah. Um, one of the things I, I, I talk about in that is the fact that we're probably one of the few generations like us and maybe a couple before us that can really start to separate ourselves from that, that path viewpoint to be able to look at these spirits and say, well, no, that's actually what, what they are considering a, a demon of death and decay and fester is actually a land spirit of nature and, and harmony and, and renewal. But to them who would come to destroy that forest of spirituality and build their monument in its place, absolutely that's a demon of death and fester yeah. and, and demise. And, I, and I, I think some of that comes down to the fact that for right now, and I'll just leave it at that, for right now, we have greater amounts of information than we ever had before. You can actually do real, for a minimal cost or no cost, I mean, if you want to do serious scholarship, it's a minimal cost. Um, yeah. You can get access to greater universities' full libraries. Uh, and by minimum, I mean, it's less than $30 a month, less than $20 a month to get access to like JSTOR or something like that, where you can actually look at the real scholarship of anthropologists who are seriously challenging some of the notions or looking at the his historicity of some of these so-called demons. And it just doesn't line up with the narrative that you get oftentimes. Uh, even straight Solomonic magic doesn't quite line up with the narrative, right, of common folklore right of common hollywood demons it's like hollywood demons are like wow these seem like the worst things in the world that you could ever do and yet um 
and yet the Solomonic texts maybe are a little too harsh and God oriented about how they beat these things up. And yet the temple still got built. Right? Stuff oh, got yeah. done. That's and that's this awesome. is where go ahead, Martin. No, no, you were gonna make a point. Well, this is where the pieces were it's like you know, it gets into who won what war because you're when you look at most of the demons, generally speaking, they're coming from different cultures too. And they were actually worshipped as gods, as we we're saying, like city state gods or nature spirits. So this is where it becomes interesting the dichotomy of like, well, winners write history. Yeah. I mean, the literal image for the devil is Pan. Yes. I mean, I mean, that's the literal image for the devil in most cases. Now, I don't exactly think Pan and Baphomet are exactly the same, but still, the literal image of pa the devil is Pan, another yeah. sort of Greek payment god, uh, uh, Greek god that literally uh, kind of even forms the basis of sort of Western society and was one of their most prominent gods, and yet that's the image of the devil for us. Yeah, and there's been several iterations of, of just that, you know, horned god image, fire god image that, that pops up in cultures, you know, all the time. And I think when, when we look at, like, what makes a demon versus what makes an angel, we really just do have to, and other types of spirit, like you said, earth spirits, city spirits, you know, we have to just look at what those spirits actually are and understand that while the dichotomy not be, may not be what the texts say there is, at least in my opinion, there is a dichotomy there. And there is something to be explored in the separation of those two. Sometimes it is just cultural. Sometimes it is just they deemed this spirit bad. But other times, uh, I think uh, you actually said it, uh, Andrea, last week with EA, is these are, um, these are perpendicular spirits. These are spirits that are of a vein, but they're also going in different directions. And we tie a lot of human personality into that and a lot of human motivation into that. Um, that I don't think are, is necessarily applicable, but I would say, at least in my, in my experience and other people's experience, there is that line of delineation that you just kind of have to discern for yourself. Um, and a lot of it, like I said at the very beginning, it, it doesn't come down to a light and dark thing because they're both full of it. They're both full. No, it's not a light and uh, dark dichotomy. In fact, one of the most classic, uh, often thought to be left-hand paths that is not left-hand path, if you really read it, is mythos work. Cthulhu work is a right-hand path religion. You are basically the the little little peon who's praying to die first so you don't have to experience torture that is the definition of assimilating yourself to something larger yeah to the, um, the greater mechanism that you're going to sacrifice yourself and your will to and then that is what's going to bring the light of, of heaven uh whereas you know i think a lot of the left-hand path is more uh, no, I am going to conceive of something within myself that is not of that greater mechanism, and I am going to follow that. Um, and I think that's a lot truer of a discernment of that dichotomy and that and that that line in the sand than saying one is light and one is dark. Uh, and you know, and, and I think using that analogy is pernicious. It, it, it leads people down paths that they don't need to go down 
because they think that's the way to true balance and true white and 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 dark. Um, and I don't think that's the case. Right. I think that's that's really true. Like I think, although we could we could call it pernicious, but you know, there's so many books published on it. Obviously, people like that narrative um, because it's a complex thing when you start talking about Satan as the hero who comes down from heaven uh, and and ha- uh, has basically. A, don't take this the wrong way. I don't mean romantic in the you know romantic, but it is the romantic kind of same way that Mistopheles and German romanticism is is not the enemy. You, you really like the devil is not the enemy in Faust. And in your book, the devil is not the enemy. The devil is kind of like, God, you're an asshole, and I'm going to leave and try to help these people because you made the world so screwed up. That's literally, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the man-on-the-street version of what what the the history account is in your book but it's pretty close i think yeah no, I mean, we're gonna have to yeah use the man on the street version for a lot of stuff but um i don't know how much we want to get into the the new article uh from becoming a living god or anything uh but uh, you're, I, you're, you're you're as free to mention the yeah, secrets absolutely. of the future article as you want we're getting we're getting exclusive before you can read it everyone right here that's right. Absolutely. Um, well, the man in the street version of even fallen angels is that they they were actually humanity's first guardians. They were the shepherds on earth that overlooked humanity. Um, and to your romanticized point, um, no, that was a literal thing. They, you know, in, in the, the Jewish texts, they fathered the race of Nephilim. With right. Yep. Yep. Um, and that... Again, it's the man in the street simplified for our fucking ape brain version of it. But I think that really shows more of the line of delineation between angel and demon or whatever you want to call them is one side is intrinsically interested in humanity, our plight and the way that we operate within Earth. And then you have the side of the greater mechanism of the wheel. Of Yeah, I mean, I think. It, yeah. it, we, we are going to have more discussions about the article, actually, with, yeah, with the way with the other one, because I mean, because uh, I drew the distinction to say something equivalent to the forces of light and order are united, and the forces of darkness are where you're actually getting the help. But no one wants to believe that. Why would you believe that demons are actually the things you help? And I don't mean it's just demons, because that's classical demons are christian but in all the societies where do you, if you want to change things here you're going to the wrathful spirits who maybe they don't quite keep things running smoothly they break shit Absolutely. um because shit needs to be broken like mm-hmm. like well, this is a great thing to, to kind of touch on because this is some of the the research i don't want to call it research just um it's some of the the ideas i've been formulating more about just the nature of these spirits. And I am a theist. I believe there is something greater to them than just a force or a mechanism. But sometimes it, it language facilitates using those words to kind of, of, of conceptualize something. So if you can look at these spirits as, as forces that are just inherent to our world. So this is the same as the difference between uh, thrust and drag. This is the difference between gravity and lift. 
Um, these are naturally occurring because people like to use the word supernatural. And I don't know if I fucking agree with that. I don't know if this is anything beyond what happens here and then what happens above. And I don't know if we have to assign anything greater to that. But I would say that the spirits of the left-hand path uh, and Satan's uh, particularly, uh, if you look at the way things happen in this world, devour to survive. Even when we work out, we have to break our muscles down for them to be rebuilt larger. And this is the energy of Satan. This is the energy that defines that as opposed to the, the energy of stasis and stay where you are. And this is the way things are. And that's the way they're going to be. Um, right, I, can't, right. I can't remember if EA said this or if I did, but um, Satan shows you, Satan and demons show you what can be and, and angels and God show you what is and what's going to be. Uh, and that's a, also, I think, a good way of conceptualizing. It. Although, if you know how to particularly use the levers of what already is there you can't substitute them but they're not going to really help you get an idea of what could be but mm -hmm. if you know so that's kind of like a very particular magical thing like your angels yeah. work can de definitely move the levers but it doesn't necessarily give you what is the true potential hidden um well even beyond the 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 potential hidden are they going to facilitate you doing it in a way that you can conceive of or are you going to have to conceive of it the way they dictate it's going to happen um and once you figure out that yes i would agree that you can start knocking levers in a very effectual way but i think it's a lot more going to them as opposed to say uh, satan and demons will come to you that is true demons will come to you more often um like you almost have to know the levers to how to pull them once you start working with angel work uh, whereas demons are, more, I wouldn't say they're more forgiving, but if they want your attention, they'll be more. Uh, make it I think they'll let you stumble through it your own way, much more so than on the other side. The demons or the angels? Uh, demons. Demons will let you stumble through it uh, on your own path. And yeah, you might eat some shit while you do it, but you'll eventually reach to where you want to go. Um, and I'm not quite sure if that's, that's the same on, on the other side. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right, but I don't view them as separate, right? Like, like, like we were saying earlier, I just think perpendicular. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Perpendicular. And I hate to kind of use it, but yeah, two sides of the same coin. Um, they're not alien to each other, but yeah, perpendicular in the way that they, they operate and they exist. To me, like, to me, unfortunately, in the West, we have this, uh, you know, negative, um, I don't want to say, it's a negative fantasy about demons and what's going on. I think Eastern traditions have much more clean notion of, of demons, calling them wrathful spirits. See, this is one thing that I love about Eastern culture because it can, it can have influences that, that aren't intended. And when you look at anime and the way that, that they treat demons and, and, and you can literally see the, the line of separation there where there are good ones, there are bad ones, there are ones that are blissful and there are ones that are vengeful. And it's literally the spirit that you're working with. Um, and I think that's a beautiful uh, thing. 
I've always thought that anime is getting a better treatment of demons than most ceremonial magic books. Yeah. Uh, as far as, <laughs> like, like, I understand that it's like the Japanese kind of looking in on Western culture, but... Uh, I don't know if it is. This is a, this is a great segue um, to what you said earlier about being able to look into higher scholarly sources for pretty a minimal thing. And um, as part of one of the magical workings that I've been a part of for the last two years, um, it really drove me to make some serious changes in my life. Um, one of which was to fix my teeth because they were literally going to kill me. Um, and right after doing a serious working, it got put to that point where I was either going to address the issue or I was going to die. That was what was going to happen. Uh, I addressed the issue. And on top of that, uh, I ended up in school. I ended up going back to college. Um, and I won't even say that. That was actually um, you, Andrea, kind of were in my mind when I did that as well. Um, uh, yeah, let's go back to that. I, I, I want to finish this thought, but... Um, as part of, of having access to those higher materials, um, I got into learning about some of the, the African traditions that can be highly applicable uh, to Western ceremonial traditions. Uh, and in the, the, the article for Becoming Living God on, on self-deification, there's a whole section on commies that come from the Japanese tradition. Yep. And this is literally the, the belief that even an idea, an environment, um, anything that, that has value as an idea can be worshipped as a spirit, as a pure spirit of whatever that is. Um, and I think that that actually has deep roots within their own spiritual culture. And I think that actually it, it can teach us so much about, oh, I, about Western. I magic. mean, yes, I, I totally think that the, the Shinto aspects of Japanese culture and the Kami and voodoo have a lot in common. Mm -hmm. The differences in ceremonial magic is the kind of judgment. Like, like the kami can be kind of unclean or clean, or I would even not even say unclean or clean. I'd even use the word of human-centric or not. Um, yeah. I, that's because usually unclean means not human-friendly, which is a good yeah. um it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing. Like a black hole might not be human friendly, but it still exists. It still exists, um, yeah. and, and it's its own thing. And it, and it has uh, properties that can be appreciated and, and uh, integrated into human philosophy and life. Uh, and that's a beautiful concept to apply to Western spirituality and to spirit work. Because if, like in my article, it's like, take Paimon, take Lucifer, take any of these demons... And, and start conceptualizing an environmental kami of that spirit and see what that teaches you about that spirit and about its its aspects and what it means. Um, and then you can extrapolate that into all types of really interesting ways that, that Western spirituality does not address, um, particularly because there is this focus on unclean things that need to be kept at arm's distance and you've got to do the protection circles and you can't let them get too close Otherwise, there are bad things happening. And it's like, bad things are probably going to happen anyway. So you I need to your relationship and start getting the most out of it that you can. Right. I don't I mean, this comes down to like a technical discussion of Western civil, uh, yeah. Western ceremonial magic, right? I mean, let's face the facts. The circle is still you. So if you're summoning a demon, you're still connecting to the demon. It's not like the demon or the spirit isn't there. Circle or not, it's still your head. Like, 
You could put up a nice circle to feel better about it, but it's still you. I'm like, I mean, that's what we're doing. Does that need to be there? What are we doing here? Like, you know, if, if you're making that connection, you're making that connection. And now that said, I, I did hear some some really elegant ways to use circles, but they weren't for the purpose of uh, they weren't for that purpose of like stay out of my space. It was more of this initiatory kind of experience where you're building yourself up. Mm-hmm. Uh, every step of the way you're building the circle. Okay, that's you changing you again. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Sure. Well, uh, even even EA last week talked about how anything he does magically, he has to be over the top because right, that exactly, yeah. in, in that space. And that's all these people were doing with the magic circles and the tomes and the boxes and the hey, this. They hey, were making themselves I think, into you know, something that they couldn't believe so that they could believe what they can't believe. You know what? Officially, I, I still a member of Poke Runyon's order of ceremonial magic, right? Went down to Texas, saw their stuff. Yeah, those temples are freaking beautiful. Right? Like, freaking beautiful. They have a little circle on the floor. You dance around the circle when you're calling a demon or whatever. And they don't do things the way you traditionally read in smaller ways either. But it's it's totally beautiful. You start singing songs. Like, everything is beautiful. Like, that's that's totally cool if that's what gets it to you. Do you need to protect yourself from the spirits with a circle? Ah, that's you trying to protect you from you. Like, it's not to say the spirits are just you, but... Where do you think the spirit's making its connection to? It's not, it may exist outside of you, but you're still you connecting to it. I'm like, yeah. or part, and, part of you are still resonating with the spirit. Like, otherwise, there is no real defense. It's a sleight of hand. Yes. Like, and, and you're, not to say that there aren't malevolent things that you're going to deal with, but there that, is malevolent things. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. ain't going to be how you deal with it. You're going to be dealing with no. it more up here and and in the way that you're operating and realizing that there's something influencing you than in drawing a circle and then banishing it like you know there's going to be a lot more work involved uh to get and risk and And risk risk. yes right like that's the thing like real malevolent spirits you're still you it's still connected to you right you might have the you might have great orc shield uh orcs padding and great orc uh, you know, control, which is really control of your subconscious mind and energy system, but it's still you. Like, even if you're in a circle, right, if once they get to the point that a spirit of true malevolence can cause poltergeist, you're already at risk. Like, yeah. like anyone who's been in a real exorcism knows that. Like, yeah, no, it doesn't quite go the way you think. Nope. Yeah, yeah, you're, <laughs> Never does. Your names of God last about as long as your faith in them, and that faith is really in slow and fast decline once you're in a real exorcism, right? Like, uh, you know, not that I would do an exorcism with the classic ceremonial magic. I I would do it in a, well, a voodoo way. I I would try to negotiate first, and then if I have to. Yeah, and you know, I and that's a good point too. That I don't know, like a traditional goetic spirit. I don't know. I won't. I won't say that I've worked with every single one of them enough to know. But I don't know if any one of those is going to register on the level of true primordial malevolence that I think you're probably uh, talking about. You know, um, I don't know. If payments piss at you, maybe. If Lucifer pissed you. Get- Get him pissed off, maybe, but probably not. Leviathan pissed, maybe. But even then, I think there's still a hint of like 
you fucked up and this is a lesson for you. There is. There not, is. Not it's usually malevolence. No, 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 no. It's it's usually there is this whole like you know what you made a deal with me and you didn't cut it. That's usually what it is. Like like I had certain expectations for you and you didn't now I'm pissed because you like blowing this off, right? Yeah, and that's a, a, a great thing to touch on too. Uh, but no, I did I did want to mention this on this interview. Um, to go back to that, it, at the Left Hand Path Consortium, I have two two great little points about when we did meet. Um, the first was you were in the middle of your presentation. I, I don't know if you'll remember this or not. Um, I hope if you do, it's not a terrible memory that made you like hate that event, but it might be. Um, me, me and one other buddy went down to that event and it was the first like left-hand path thing we'd ever gone to like in a social gathering. And it was kind of presented as like consortium convention type thing. And we went down there in like Comic-Con energy. So like, you know, we had coolers full of beer and like, you know, shit ready to go down. And that was yeah. not so much the environment uh, that, that was going on. So uh, it did not, that did not annoy me. The only thing that annoyed me in my presentation was the guy who was so drunk. That was the, the Temple of Satan guy who could barely, he was trying to make points, but he was being an asshole about it. And he was so drunk, he was being a total asshole about it. That was the only thing. I don't even care if people drink in my presentation. Okay, well, That's the only thing that annoyed me. Yeah. So, uh, what, like, what happened was um, my, uh, my buddy left uh, right before your presentation began to go up and get us some drinks because uh, we were staying at the hotel. And you're like, you're right in the middle of presentation. It's going great. Everybody's feeling good. Like the thunder's rumbling outside whenever you're building the storm up in the fucking meditation. It was like everything was going great. And you paused right in the heart of it, right as my friend walks through the door. And you kind of distract this feel. You're like, how's everybody feeling? And I'm sure the response you were not looking for was my buddy going, woo! But no, that, no, that was cool. That's cool. <laughs> I, that was cool. I, I remember that. That was cool. Uh, you know, you know, like, yeah, that's that's right. You got it. You got it. Right. So um, that was the one. But then um, during one of the evenings, uh, we were sitting there uh, eating dinner and uh, I had just I had just published Past to Satan, which is my first book. And I'm feeling good about it, but I'm also realizing it's like, you know, 10 pages long and I, I can't feel too, too proud about it. And you were, you had already, you know, published Chaos Magic, you were doing your presentation, and you're sitting there eating dinner, and you've got, you know, your, your group with you, laptop open, books all in front of you doing work, and I'm like, I'm sitting there eating a fish taco looking at you like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I not on the grind this hard? Why am I not doing shit that I need to be doing? <laughs> to, um, to the credit there, I think almost certainly I was working on my presentation, which wasn't done. <laughs> Like, <laughs> after you had already presented so um you know i'm pretty sure you were still you were in school at that point uh and i think then i was pretty sure that i was working on my homework yeah well exactly you know <laughs> and i was like you know why am i feeling good at this like little thing that I, did? I need to like really buckle down uh and that's something that i've really done uh over the last few years so whenever it did come time where i was like kind of deciding on college i was like I have a business of my own. I write books. I have two kids. I was like, fuck it. He was over there at that table fucking doing all his work. Yeah, no, I'm going to do it. I don't care. Um, so, no, I was going to say that, that like, literally that right. struck in my mind and, and had an impact on me. So you never know what you're doing that impact people, man. But, but yeah, that yeah, was well, thanks. That's good to hear, actually. I mean, but I mean, really, like, that's exactly the left-hand path, right? I had a goal. And you know what? 
I mean, we've talked about it in the show. That period of my life was fucked up. Like, like it was fucked up. Like I was dealing with it. I, my, my future wife, like, I think she was already, we were already married at that point. Right. We were constantly having to go in back and forth between that and, and court where the fact that I was a chaos magician and a voodoo assault was used against us. So not only am I magically using all the tools at my disposal for whatever purposes to actually not lose, you know, I refuse to give up on my goal of getting an MBA. And I think I talked about it a lot. Like now granted at the end of that, I probably skidded through and uh, probably crashed way after, but you know, that's okay. The crashing after came from other kind of obstacles that came about that I didn't expect, but still, I just refused to let the constraints of the world define who I was. Yep. And th- that is, like you said, 100% left-hand path. This is the way that it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to do that. Screw that. I'm magic. I'm going to perform magic. And this is going to be the result that I determine. Um, and I think that's a great, you know, it's a great delineation, uh, you know, of, of practitioners and, and, and people who are kind of more conceptual about it, you know. I, I mean, I think kind of like this gets into a weird situation where we're, we're talking about the left-hand path and the right-hand path. And we often have to mention the fact left-hand path is not a Western concept. It is a concept from Hinduism. And in Hinduism, the left-hand path is about the rejection of societal norms to achieve your own goals. Like the continuous rejection of the constraints of society to achieve whatever you wish to achieve or the rejection of the priest class that is also part of it um, yeah. to achieve what you want to achieve so it's very possible that some of the common gods in hinduism that you see like ganesh or shiva or you know or lakshmi or all of them can be worked with in a way that would be considered left head path because they're not within the confines of the priest class you are not going through the class and it's because the difference is this is considered an equally valid, although more perilous, journey than the traditional right-hand path. It is not considered like some sort of anti-path. It's considered these places go to the same place, but this is the harder, more dangerous path. Well, yeah. it's like, gain fast, go hard. Because it's at that point, you're on the chopping block for your things versus listening to somebody directly tell you what to do yeah yeah and and that's that's you you definitely hit on it last week too where you know most magic is self-work so when you decide to engage in those activities like most people you know come to it thinking that they're gonna you know change the 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 realities of the universe and have all these powers that that change outward things for their benefit and really once you're around long enough no you're doing work on yourself and in some instances, in some things that you do, yes, you are directing the energy from within you outward, but it is still going to almost always be a self-driven thing and a self-altering thing. Um, and it's, it's one of the things that, that me and EA have talked about uh, in some of our own, our, our own talks is uh, we naturally read our, uh, each other's stuff. And one of the things he said to me was, man, I wish I would have, you know, run across your book when I was first starting out. And I told him the exact same thing. Uh, and it's because regardless of where you start, you're almost like, I'll say you've got a 99%, 9% chance of starting wrong. Like regardless of where you're going to begin, 
um, you're going to find out several times that you were mistaken along the way. So it really does become a thing of like engendering a, a fortitude for those kind of things and, and like gravitating towards material that keeps you inspired and, and willing to go through those transitions to find the things that finally do dawn on you is, oh yeah, this is, this is what I was really supposed to get out of that. Um, and for, for me, I started out um, like the become a living God stuff fucking tame compared to what I started out like reading, like, Oh, just meditate real hard every day. And you'll have cryokinesis and telekinesis and all these powers that you can do shit with. And when you go from that to actually having to like understand the realities of magic, that's a little bit of a punch in the face. Uh, and like reading some of the stuff that become a living God comes out with, it's like, fuck, I could have dealt with that. And like the letdown from that way easier then thinking, you know, I could just devote myself and then suddenly, you know, really have godlike powers. Well, I, I mean, I, I mean, personally, like I have a mixed view of whether it's internal or external magic. Um, but like the issue like that you raise of like these weird things is the Hollywoodization again, right? Like even if I do a magic spell, you know, to get money and I get money, okay, that's probably external probably internal and external it's never not one or the other um it still basically has to something has to have changed in me too otherwise i wouldn't have got that money so the idea of even low to high magic i think it's a ridiculous sort of notion but those kind of things this hollowization of magic like i'm just kind of like okay sure maybe those things are possible but it gets in the way and and people who actually buy into that it's really an excuse for them not to do magic. And I think they know that. I think they know that. I think they believe that too. Like, I think they know, you know, and real serious magicians will try to push the boundaries to actually break some of those rules. It's a fuck ton hard. Like you could spend, you spend your whole life and you might get one city, right? Literally. And then you're not talking about it too often. Yeah. Like you're you're not mentioning it to people on a regular basis. You wouldn't come on YouTube and say, "Oh, by the way, I can do this." You shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. right? Like you might have some weird story. I might have mentioned some things that on the show that I shouldn't have mentioned. But I have witnesses. Like five or six people saw me do the the after thing. Otherwise, I'd be shutting the hell up too. Because then I'd be like, "Well, then I'm just some ranting McRanterson who doesn't know what the hell they're doing." You know, but when you get five, ten witnesses saw me do something, okay, well, then it's a little different. And again, when people ask for that, I said, that shit is just parlor tricks. Like, yeah, the reason people develop those skills is for only one purpose, is to basically show anyone that this stuff is real. That's the only purpose you develop those skills. There's that. Like, there's ego aggrandizement. You you want to be the magician that can do those things. It's not about actually improving them. It's about right. the person that can mm -hmm. do. The and thing is about that, you can never develop those skills for ego aggrandizement. No one who just thinks of themselves as awesome can develop those skills. Because yeah. the cost of developing those skills is actually pretty severe, much more severe than people would think. It's not that I'm saying that it's impossible to do those things. It's generally somewhat unpredictable, so I hate that that part of that that type of magic. Um, and second, it's 
also the cost is usually great to your psyche. Like yeah. you have to change parts of yourself that, and not accept rules that would otherwise, unless you were very, very, very careful, um, could put you into a weird perilous chapter where you could not be able to separate what's real and not. Now, and that's where all the practice comes in, right? There's a lot of people who believe they have lots of powers, um, but they don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, um, you said it right on nail on the head where it's a distraction. It is, um, this is something that, that I've been working on here for a while with a couple other people. And it's a, it's a reimagining of what the purpose of, say, a goetic ritual is. Like all the different steps that you're doing, even the end result that I am going to conjure this spirit before me so that I can converse with it or whatever purpose you have. What are, like, what is really the accomplishment behind that but, but besides being able to say, I can conjure spirits and I talk to it about X. Like, well, I mean, all you're talking, talking to somebody who wrote hands on chaos magic, right? I would say nothing. You've it, done nothing. Exactly. Like, so, until you have actually got some proof results. of results, you have done nothing with it, that summoning. Exactly. So, like, when you start tearing away those pieces, then, like, why do we even need to be in a circle? Why do we even need a separate thing for this? Like you can start really looking at it and then kind of discern, do I even care whether or not I can see a manifestation or some kind of evo evocative something in the environment that's showing me that I've summoned this thing? Do I not have the skill that I'm summoning this thing in my temple every day to develop a relationship with it? Like, what is this whole grand thing just to summon it, even though I have a connection with it that I can tap into at any moment? Like, why am well, I going through all of this when... A lot of this, too, also, like... This idea that the spirit has to physically be manifested. Uh, I forgot which series of books it came from. Like, I'm trying to remember. And, of course, I forgot. But, like, it, it was popular, and then a couple books repeated it. And I remember that the person originally kind of said, oh, it has to physically manifest, not in your mind's eye, physically be there. Basically, later got discredited, defrocked. Basically said yeah. that this, he knew it was, that's just a lie. I mean, I'll, I'll raise my hand right now. I've said it before on camera. Like, either other people are doing this shit way better than I am, or you're not popping physical demons out of triangles. Well, recipe. Let, let's be. Like, we both know the truth is is that you can get physical effects. Like that's that's. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good that's a good thing to mind check yourself to say, okay, temperature changes, weird smoke patterns, um, air stuff, airflow airflow changes you know uh even visual acuity if you record it like you can yeah. get odd things that happen so that would be kind of proof of physical manifestation in, in most reasonable sorts of way um but if you expect the demon to step out and slap you um stop you know, watching fox form. news right or whatever <laughs> yeah. right stop watching fox news or something i guess right yes because uh, it's just uh, not because it's just not going to happen i mean and it can't. There's a whole. I mean, it could later. It could. I won't say it can't because that's that's bad. But first of all, most of the time I'm you wouldn't want home. it to happen, right? Yeah. 
yeah, uh, it's that um, I'm gonna forget the term, but the El- the eldritch lord coming into your vision isn't something that you're necessarily gonna be geeked about afterwards. Like, um, you know, there's that um, like I theophantic manifestations. Yeah, I will absolutely say after many many years of diligent study and a really kick-ass ritual that you pulled out of your ass, yeah, you might really start seeing some actual thea- you know, theophantic stuff happening. But if you're following you know, one of the old-school grimoires doing a goetic ritual with the triangle and you're expecting Lucifer to rise out of the floor and, and look you in the eye and give you a religious experience, you're going to be disappointed and that's one of the things that I think is a real detriment to using those systems is it hypes these people up for continual disappointment and for thinking that, oh, I, they might actually be proficient magicians. They might be able to do things. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, yeah. And then they I, think that they're failure because other people are telling them, oh, I get fucking Lucifer to come in my bedroom every night. And we fucking they don't. Beers. They don't. They don't. That, I mean, I mean, we're both agreement like this. I mean, we'll get hate mail for this because people will defend their own ego and their self-aggrandizement, and, and then their spiritual escapism on this. But they don't, right? You are having a subjective experience. Trust me, there's a big difference between a subjective experience where you see Lucifer, uh, which is great. That that is powerful and awesome experience. We're not discounting that. There's a difference in manifestation when you're filming it. And what you can get on film. And that's yep. where the proof meets the pudding, right? Like, the camera is an unbiased witness. And so there's subjective experience, and then there's what's happening in the room. And if you study paranormal studies at all or work with paranormal investigators, you, you I'm telling you, you can get stuff weird shit to happen. It's just not usually on the level of what the subjective experience is. And that's the whole point. We want to have these subjective experiences because, the, you know what? It's cool to watch an anime where a demon comes on the streets and, like, blows the shit out of the town, right? That's cool to watch. It's not cool to live, okay? Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty fucked up. I mean, how, what those experiences, if you think about it, you're like, uh, what? <laughs> And any, magician, any magician who's had any kind of experience close to those kind of Hollywood experiences will either say they fucked up and it was really scary mm-hmm. or they go or they don't talk about it. Yeah. Or, yeah. or they lose their fucking minds over it or um, they lose their fucking yeah. minds. And I've seen that happen. Um, a guy I really respected years ago. Um, he must've tapped into some bullshit, man. Cause like he ended up winning the lottery like straight up said, I'm gonna win the lottery. Won the lottery and then went batshit fucking crazy. Like over the course of three months after that, uh, to the point where it was like, now I'm gonna merge the DC and Marvel universes in real life, and th- things are gonna start manifesting. And, and it's like, okay, you have literally lost it. Um, and you know that 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 is a danger that I have written about, other people have written about, and it really is true. The demon isn't going to like rip your soul out and drag you to hell. But if you are already fucked in the head and you play with these things, they will mess with you. Gonna fuck you. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, I'm probably, I'm probably not as, as 
as well known in the demolisher community, although I seem to have a fan base. But I actually think that's a, <laughs> somewhat, at least some people like me. Yeah. Like I, I inspired Martin to go to school, so I feel like I've I know, done my job today, right? Um, but I really think like that's a test. Mm-hmm. Like I really think demons want to see if you're worth the next level of secrets that they could possibly teach you. And sure. In that case, maybe a guy was a really talented magician, tapped in, won the lottery, and lost his shit, and the test was you won the lottery. Yep. Yep. It was sort of like, I'll give you exactly what you're asking for. Let's see if you survive this, okay? Not, that's the end of your journey. Yep. It's yep. like nice, it's, it's a weird ninth gate type of metaphor, right? Like, here it is, right? Here's your... This is the end. This is the end for you, right? Your madness is the end of your journey, your spiritual journey this lifetime. That's it. You're done. Yep. There's right, like, so you won the lottery. Great. Good job. Now let's see how you deal with it. And that's oftentimes how some of these particular spirits will do it. They'll give you exactly what you want and see what happens. They know damn well that it's a bad thing for you. They know it's not great for you, but they're like trying to teach you a lesson by giving it to you. Well, that's one of the, um, like, I'm, I'm not a quote unquote, witch war person. I, I'll say it right now. Um, yeah, I've, I've never thrown, a, a, a legitimate curse at another occultist that like, it was an occultist beef between us. Um, I've had other people throw curses at me and immediately fucking regret it. Um, but one of the things that, that dealing with spirits taught me is if you're going to throw a curse at somebody, give them what they want. Give, give them abundance of the things that will fucking destroy them, and they'll happily whack them up all the way down to the bottom. Uh, and it's one of the most effective curses I think you could throw at somebody, is if you, and especially if it's somebody you know. If it's somebody that you, you see them, you know what their triggers are, you know what that opening is open it up and let them eat and i don't think i don't think i can admit to never throw a a, a curse <laughs> although I, I don't throw i worded that pretty specifically if you i just own it i would just own it and be like yeah i've cursed people not over facebook discussions though or not over social media discussions not that kind of stuff yeah. i think the Usually, I, I'm pretty well justified. Like you know, like and that's what I'm saying. Occult disagreements, like personal little squabbles, I haven't done that. I no, won't no. say that other things haven't occurred. No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, if someone steals my stuff, I might get a little angry or something. Then you get yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you get what's coming. I I have been taught through my own experiences just to be very careful about where I, I put my energy and knowing where uh, what, what other people are hooked into, man. It's like, you know, I have some good defenses, but not as good as the way some people have really suffered uh, after trying to curse me. Uh, and maybe it was partly because they were doing it for stupid reasons. Uh, maybe part of it was, yeah. I don't need to respond. Like, that's one thing that I really, I, I, I do want to touch on because people always talk about gaining the favor of demons and, and having a relationship. But then the second anything ever happens, they're looking to take it into their own hands and put their own energy behind it. And it's like, why? 
Like, I am protected. I've been shown that I'm fucking protected. So if you want to fuck around, go ahead and find out. I'm not going to bother with it either way. If you're on my radar to where I'm worried about it, then, like, your curse on me is in, in, inconsequential anyway because I'm doing my shit on you. Um, and, like I said, it, it takes a lot for me to get to that position. That's a true point. If you have a good relationship with spirits, you... I mean, generally speaking, anyone who's capable of throwing a real curse has probably got reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest. It's, it's There's something that went on that maybe it's mutually misunderstanding or something... But they're, you would know why they're throwing a curse and what went on and why they're pissed off and that they're capable. And, and it's sort of like, it's not, it's not like you wouldn't expect it. You're kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I was an asshole then for whatever reason. Or, or you're right, you know, whatever. You would know. I, I, I truly believe that. Like, real, cur- real people to throw real curses that actually are real damaging curses, um, if people are doing daily vanishings, are far and few between like just even basic qigong anything really like the kind of negative energy or evil ass stuff will just wipe right off you like if you have any sort of spiritual relationship you're regularly calling spirits it's just gonna wipe right off you yeah and and that's basically what happened in in my situation is like you know you're i'm intuitive enough i felt it i was like okay a couple of days have been a little off and now it's becoming a pattern enough to where i'm realizing something is going on uh, I threw up a, a, a curse breaker magical tablet above where my my space in my home is. I uh, did a couple little workings and then didn't fucking worry about it again. Uh, the curse breaker twisted and warped over, you know, a little while uh, and showed me that, yeah, there's probably sucking some juice up. Uh, and then coincidentally talked to the person who had cursed me uh, a couple of years later. Uh, and they straight told me, it's like, yeah, I threw something at you over some shit that, you know, like I did, it wasn't even anything I fucking did. It was like a scenario he got put in that I was halfway associated with and he got pissed off and threw a fucking curse. Uh, and it inconvenienced me for two days until I, like you said, I started doing some of my work, threw up one little thing. Uh, and his wife was fucked for a while, uh, because one, I'm, I do have protection and two, he was doing that for a stupid reason and it rebounded on him. And that does happen. Like you yeah, can't just be stupid, and if you are, then like you said, fuck around and find out. Like these spirits will let you see. <laughs> yeah, they'll. I wouldn't say they're unkind, but they don't like stupidity much. <laughs> so one of the things that, like, we're almost out of time, but I definitely want to touch on how the actual Church of Satan and you got into a major yes. fight, right? Like, because. <laughs> First of all, how does one even get into a fight with the Church of Satan? You know. Well, honestly, like, well, hell, if we're going to frame it like that, um, it wasn't much of a fight, and I guess I lost. But uh, I didn't go back and forth with them at all. Um, I, as part of my latest book, Paths uh, or uh, uh, Book of the Fallen, uh, I addressed some of the ethical and just philosophical conundrums of the Satanic community, and and one of them is. We're a disparate community. We believe a lot of different things. And the, you know, overarching major satanic organizations do not represent the whole of satanic belief and more specifically theistic belief. Both the Church of Satan and uh, the Satanic Temple both have basically said we are not theistic organizations and they have a, a very much 
uh, like cold shoulder attitude towards uh, any kind of theists. I've reached out to the, uh, the Satanic Temple before in, in the early days uh, and got absolutely nowhere. They wanted nothing to do with me. Uh, but well, And to me, that makes perfect sense, right? Because yeah. from their point of view, whether it's my whether it's the book on chaos magic or theistic satanism the the magic is real aspect of this is uh already distasteful like for a strict materialist i think that's six in the craw for sure but i think it kind of goes deeper than that because when you when you can hold uh an archetypal only view of satan then you don't have to have any fidelity to like the concepts and principles that define Satan. And especially if you see that as an actual thing that exists. So if you don't hold that, then it can become anything you want it to be. And it can, you, you, you aren't bound by anything greater than your own word and, and you can just make that up. So I think that goes deeper to both of those organizations. And that's really one of the only things I, I tried to address in that book was they're not representing everyone. And this is kind of the, the really what I try to do was present a satanic ethos that would apply equally to atheists and theists. This is common ground that we can find under the blanket term Satan. And we can go from there. That was my goal with that book. Um, and in that, that, that vein, I tried to find three personalities that I thought would represent the disparate communities, you know, a cult, theist, atheist, so um, I got Bill Duvendak to read the book and give me a, a blurb on the back of it, um, but was really great. And then I got Stanton LeVay, who's the grandson of Anton LeVay, to write one as well. Uh, and then I got a, uh, a minister in the Church of Satan, uh, Eric Werner, who uh, was also a presenter at the, the Left Hand Path. Yeah, um, no, yeah to, to write on the back as well. And he, he did something really great, too. Um, and long story short, it seems like Church of Satan leadership, and he specifically mentioned two names that, like, I know, I recognize those names, uh, had a very specific problem with the way I said there was no governing, uh, you know, organization that was representative of everyone in the community, because I guess they, they feel like they are representative of the only true Satanists. Uh, and they basically forced him to ask me to remove him from the back of my book. Uh, otherwise, they were going to make it a problem or even, you know, revoke his his title. Um, and I, being the person I am, said, yeah, I mean, I respect you and you did me a favor by doing this. You know, so I, I had the book reprinted uh, without him on the back. So if you have an original copy of A Book of the Fallen uh, from before, like this last year, and you have Eric Werner on the back, keep that because those are not getting made anymore uh, and they won't ever be made again. Uh, so yeah, that was basically well, so much for personal freedom. Well, that's that's been, that's been a theme that some of the theists who have a little bit more regard for for these principles, like bring up when you talk about Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple, especially with the way that they are, you know, they're they're running their organizations, uh, and they're just not in a satanic fashion, at least from the outside looking in, and they don't want to. They don't want to offer us that seat at the table to see what it's like on the inside. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's basically, you know, where, where, where yeah. it happened. Once you, you're right, once you assume something's real, like, mm -hmm. even, in, even if you take the pseudo-agnostic approach that 
chaos magic tends to approach when you're working with stuff like, and you're saying, well, this may or may not exist, but it's definitely not a not exist, right? Like it's a indeterminate. Your behavior has to change accordingly. <laughs> like otherwise, you're, yeah. otherwise you're ignoring the signs that you've been given. And when you're a magician, that's really all you have. Like if you're not paying attention to those, you're not actually doing magic. Like if you're just relying on someone else to tell you, you're not listening to what these things are are, are telling you. You're right. If you are not listening to the signs you're giving, you're practicing religion, not magic. Ooh, that, that's, yeah. Um, I, had to I think Martin just took that. He's like, I'm going to take that. I'm going to use that quote. Yeah. The next quote. Let's Let's go to the next put the quote down. Put the quote down. Uh, but no, I think that was um, that, that's certainly a good way to to kind of conceptualize the difference between uh, you know having to to acknowledge that yeah I've been shown something a little bit different and I can either act on that or not uh, and if I'm not then you know that just that's a reality that I'm not acting on what I've been told uh, and in previous interviews I've given some like anecdotal things about just like some of the things that confirm for me why Satan is real um, outside of a magical setting that can be a little bit more approachable to people who aren't completely into occult practices. And oftentimes it gets equated to, you know, oh, well, that's very much like, you know, a religious experience that other, you know, religions would talk about. And it's like, it is, but I'm also drawing a lot more from that. Um, and, and at a certain point, they are the same. They are receiving things and then having the courage and, you know, ability to, to make decisions based off of them. So it's 7.15, and before we do anything else, although I got it reversed right here, I can't really reverse my screen. There we go. All right. There we go. How did you reverse your screen, Zach? I didn't reverse my screen. That's just I don't even, the screen, man. I don't even know how I reversed my screen at this point to get a mirror image. But here you go. Here's the book. And I, if you actually pick up, if you pick up, uh, if you pick up Martin's book, um, book of falling, I think you'd be shocked at how not darkness it is. Yep. There's there's stuff like meditation and and daily practice. There's some demons in there too, but it's actually a good celebration. Schedule scheduling your magical work, <laughs> stuff like that. It's a good solid book on how to get magical practice up to speed to actually make contact with some of these entities. Not at all what you'd expect. I mean, yes, there's demons, so you expect that, but you uh, expect demons. Yeah, expect demons. They just show up, right? That's how yeah. it is. <laughs> well, I mean, on that that very last topic they were on, you know, it's like actually having to acknowledge of uh, an existence of Satan then kind of leads you to let me build a, a practice around being able to interact with that thing that I know exists. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's just, that's, it, it, it's something that, that, yeah, it's not all about just darkness and evil, but it never has been. Uh, and the people who are actually practicing it could tell you that all along. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's got a lot of solid materials, a lot of solid spells, and a lot of kind of bringing you slowly through to make some of these actual working with some of these entities, especially Satan, mm -hmm. actually practical and useful. So, like, 
the discussion today we went to practical useful too it was but it yep. it's not it is a really good book so you should go out and get it today there you go today thank you much man i i, I love it i'll take any endorsement i can get thank you so martin do you have anything coming up besides the article we talked about which was uh, yeah we've got the uh the uh self-deification uh, book that's going to be coming out through Become a Living God. Uh, I think that's uh, some really good material from all of the contributors. I've read through everybody's stuff uh, that's posted it so far, and it's been really good. Uh, I'm excited about it. Um, the last section of mine is a, uh, a new ritual construct and magical system that, that I'm going to be uh, releasing with a few other friends that have been working with it uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, and uh, there's a little bit of a hint drop in there. It's it's based uh, on a term that we did not uh, we didn't invent this term. Uh, I was shocked when I saw it existed, uh, but it is a derivin, uh, a derivision, and a I would say a blasphemy upon Goetia. Uh, it is a complete inversion of it, uh, and it's called Zoetia. Uh, and uh, I, we didn't create that term. Uh, I was shocked. I was actually reading about it in a college course to take us full circle, uh, where some of access to some of these, you know, learning resources can really open up avenues that you wouldn't have had before. Uh, and on its face, it immediately smacked us of uh, Zoetia is of life. It is of living, and Goetia is of death. Uh, and if we can take that and extrapolate it to the relationships and the workings that we do with demons specifically these traditionally viewed as horrible evil spirits and view them through a light of life and of exuberance uh and of how they actually interact within our lives instead of in the underworld that we've been you know led to believe uh it's going to be an entirely new way of looking at them um, so that's really, really uh, exciting for me. We're, we're working on a grimoire for that to actually like look into the nuts and bolts of how it works. But the very last work uh, in the self-deification book is a zoetic ritual that I've written. Uh, and it takes the, the elements of Goetia uh, and it completely strips them away. It says, why are we doing that? Let's stop looking for the physical manifestations in the moment. Let's stop looking to prove to ourselves that it's happening. It's actually happening. Uh, and let's turn around and focus on the work being done. Uh, and let's set ourselves up knowing that they're already there. And let's do a right to facilitate the work that is to be done. Uh, and then see what happens after that. Uh, and that kind of working. So uh, in, in the self-deification book, that working is the, the final working. It is the turning the back on, on the spirits that have guided you so far and, uh, you know, taking up that mantle of, of being your own God. Uh, and that, that ritual construct seemed to really lend itself uh, to that particular spell because that's exactly what you're doing. You're taking the focus off of the confirmation and off of the spirit and you're putting it back on the work and on what you're going to do. Nice. All right. So, Zach, what do we have coming up next week? Well, we got, we got your workshop next week on what is chaos magic, recording live at Toronto Pig and Pride. In the park. In the park. Rainerstein broadcasting live again from Pig and Pride. Yep. 
So there's that. And then tomorrow, you got a water workshop for our sponsors. Want to say anything about that? We're just going to leave it at water workshop and be like, let, let us go. Well, I mean, essentially, it's we are working through the tarot, and Andrea is walking all the sponsors through the elements because you cannot talk about the tarot without elements. And then he'll go into the suits afterward and how to make it practical for not just enchantments, but for divination. And that's right. And if you're a sponsor, you help us bring uh, beautiful and awesome guests like Martin on. And not only that, yeah. you help keep us keep our lights on. And not only that, you there's about a hundred, no, there's like 200 workshops that you get access to from the years we've been running workshops, you know, for $39.95 a month. And so become a sponsor. Not only that, you get access to our full thousand book library. Uh, of which only ten books you can't take in. You can't take out of the library. You have to read them here. That's a deal. Yes. At forty and, bucks for, for <laughs> workshops, man. People need to snatch that up. That's a deal. And what in fact, if you were, in fact, if you're a sponsor, you could check this book out right Open now because we actually have a library checkout system for our store, and our store is at six or seven Gerard Street East in. East Chinatown, Toronto, the center of the world. No, it's not the center of the world, but I think Toronto. Toronto east thinks it's the center. Chinatown. It's east side of Chinatown, right? So you come here, like, so if you have any needs, spiritual needs, chances are we have what you need, uh, or we can make it. We're full of apothecary. We make our own oils when people ask. We make our own stuff. And if you need acupuncture, we have an acupuncture clinic here, too. Uh, so there you go. Whatever you need, and we Reiki. got you. And Reiki. Need a divination? We can do that for you. Need a massage? We got that. That's all part. That's all part of the store. So. Yeah, I need. I need a massage. Uh, you made. You made Toronto sound great. Uh, and the last podcast with uh, with EA, I need to make it up there. I've I've actually never been to Canada, and if I go, I think. I mean, out, outside of my haters, apparently, in some of the left hand circles like yeah we should totally have a left hand conference in toronto we totally should we should start planning that absolutely i will i will be there for sure i think that would that would be a fun time you that know have left hand hand, you know post everything so thanks for coming on the show martin if you could just hang on for a second let's go ahead again stay safe and well everyone uh and happy as happy as you can be uh we'll see everyone in person outside if you come to pagan pride we should give them the park location zach it is dufferin park dufferin park i think my pres- presentation's at like two right yes i think it's at two uh-uh. if you're used to chaos magic i'll make it more well okay you know we have a, we're gonna have a booth out there so if you want to come visit just come visit Oh, if you're used to chaos magic, I'll make it a little more exciting. You never know if there's everyone already has my book or something like that. We might just do a summoning right in the park. Bring your book. Uh, that's right. Yeah, we'll just we'll just summon something right there. Like if everyone kind of knows about chaos magic, so you never know. Show up. You like all of a sudden will be like, well, everyone knows what chaos magic is, so let's just do a summoning right here. Let's summon Bath May, everyone. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's do it. It could happen if you show up tomorrow. Next week. Next Saturday. Next week. That's right. Next Saturday. Time is not on my side. Have a great night, everyone.
Martin, please stand for a second. Absolutely. And hail Satan. There you go. There you go. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole is sponsored by the Queen City Curio and Apothecary in Toronto, Ontario. Proudly in East Chinatown. Our store is at 607 Gerard Street East. Unit 401. Just take the elevator up to the fourth floor and we're right there. We carry the finest spiritual goods for all spiritual paths. Whatever you are into, we can help. Check out our full public library of occult materials with over a thousand books. Accessible anytime the store is open. Check us out online at queencitycurio.ca. Be sure to leave a wish at our wish shrine right outside our door. You never know, it may just come to pass.